So welcome everybody. I'm Olympia Papagiorgio and this is a podcast called Stolen Homes where I will be interviewing my father, Father Panayoti. Hi, Baba. Yes, Olympia. <laughs> um, <laughs> and we will be talking about some heavy stuff. Um, we're going to go through with Baba and kind of discussing his experience, um, his um, lifestyle, how he lived, how his family lived, and um, going through the Turkish invasion in 1974 in Cyprus. Um, and it affected, the, obviously, half of the island, and it affects all the people on the island now. I was actually born in Cyprus, in Larnaca, but I grew up in Ayanapa, which is a, a party town. <laughs> Still is a party town. But um, Baba, I'm going to call my father Baba during this entire process. So that means father in Greek, so just be ready for that. And um, I'm going to ask you lots of questions, Bob. So you answer however you would like to answer. Um, some basic information I think that we can say is Cyprus is in the Mediterranean by Turkey, Greece, Egypt, Israel, right? It's right in the center of kind of all those countries in the Middle East, um, in the Mediterranean. And um, it's not a very large country. You can Google it. You'll find it. And there was always some political drama going on in the, what, in the 50s and 60s or probably even before um, between the British who had colonized Cyprus at some point, right? And then there was some agreement between the Turks at some point to get power in the government to make an agreement to do that, which didn't last very long. Correct? Yes. Okay. Just so people understand kind of some basic background that this there's there had been political drama for a while going on there and the Cypriots really had no say, right? They didn't really have a lot of power to say anything because the English were in charge for a long time and I think they were negotiating a lot of those things, right? Yeah, and then Turkey was introduced uh, into the into the game, let's say, um, when the Greek Cypriots revolted against the British and wanted union with Greece. Mm-hmm. And I think that's very important because okay. uh, once once Cyprus was made a colony by the British in 1925, mm-hmm. in order to punish Turkey for allying themselves with the Germans in the First World War, yeah. then, um, then the Cypriots began asking uh, the British to allow them to unite themselves to Greece. And of course, the British didn't want to do that. Right. So in 1955, uh, there was a revolutionary movement called EOKA, right. um, which was uh, initiated with the purpose of uh, pushing the British to allow the uh, to allow Cyprus to become part of Greece. Hmm. Of course, the British didn't want to do that, and that's when they brought Turkey into the into play. They brought Turkey around the table, the mm-hmm. negotiating table. And gave Turkey a chance to gain an advantage in Cyprus, uh, which they didn't have before because right. the British were in control. Right. Um, the, of course, the reason that they brought Turkey into into the game was because uh, there was a uh, Muslim population, Turkish Cypriot population of mm-hmm. about eighteen percent of the of the population of the country of the island. And uh, they used that as an excuse. And then, of course, they opened the door to Turkey to demand more and to want uh, to have control of things. And and so when Cyprus became an independent uh, state, member of the United Nations in 1960, um, then uh, Turkey began to um, uh, filter uh, weapons into Cyprus and arming the Turkish Cypriots. 
1964, they, there was what we call the rebellion of the Turkish Cypriots against the constitution. Uh, they found some reason to do that. And, uh, and then Turkey found the opportunity to uh, uh, bomb Cyprus in, in August of 1964, and then uh, to threaten to invade Cyprus. Was that the before the um, story that you heard growing up about what the information the Greek Cypriot was getting that there was a threat? Yeah, the, the information was in 1963, right before Christmas, mm-hmm. that the, the, the Greek Cypriots received information that the Turkish Cypriots were uh, planning to bomb the churches Christmas morning as the Greek Cypriots would be in the churches in, church. in, in Lefkosia, in yeah. the capital in Nicosia. Yeah. And, uh, and, and that's when the skirmishes began. And from then on, the Turkish Cypriots withdrew into sections of Cyprus that were primarily uh, inhabited by Turkish Cypriots. Right. And they uh, renounced the constitution hmm. of 1960. And they began to form their own uh, administration, sort of. And they separated basically from the Greek Cypriots. And, right. uh, and Turkey, from then on, uh, was looking for a reason to invade Cyprus. Yeah, it took them uh, ten years to do it, okay. but they finally, they finally <laughs> found the opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. they found the opportunity when uh, there was a, a a coup d'état in Cyprus that um, overthrown Magarius by the military, and uh, and uh, the, and Turkey found the opportunity to claim that um, the military in Cyprus was a. a a threat to the Turkish Cypriots. Mm-hmm. So they, on on August twentieth, uh, they um, they unloaded troops on the northern coast, right. uh, at the northern coast of uh, Cyprus, where Kerinya is, mm-hmm. and they began they began the invasion. Right. So before we get into the details of the actual invasion, that was just some basic history to understand that there was conflict going on in the background while you were living your life, while you were growing up with your family. So where yeah. were you growing up? What is the name of the village you were growing up in Cyprus? And what part of Cyprus was yeah. it? Um, I, I was born and I, I was raised. I was growing up in um, Marathovunos, which was a village in the center of Mesauria, the plains of uh, Cyprus between Lefkosia and Amokostos, yeah. in between, mm-hmm. uh, about 15 miles uh, east, uh, east of uh, Lefkosia, mm-hmm. uh, as you travel toward Amokostos. Hmm. Um, the village was uh, on a hill, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, that's why it was called Marathovnos because uh-huh. it was on a, a hill. Uh, and um, and Vunos, uh, on the top right? of that Vunos. hill, there was the church. Hmm? Yeah, Vunos. Yeah, Vunos. Translate yeah. the word. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so uh, on the top of the hill, there was the church dedicated to Prophet Elijah, Prophet yeah. Elias. Yeah. And. Um, the church is always usually on the top of the hill, where the whole town can see that that's the center. Of the well. Hill. If there is a hill, then yeah. of course you know. But <laughs> yeah, that's but true. If for in our case, of course, because it was a hill, then uh, the church was dedicated to Prophet Elias. Because mm-hmm. usually in the Middle East, everywhere in the Orthodox uh, world, mm-hmm. uh, on every hill they would put a church dedicated to Prophet Elias oh, cool. yeah, in remembrance of his miracle with bringing the fire from mm-hmm. uh, heaven to do the. I didn't realize that detail. Yeah, the burnt offering. Uh, through prayer, with prayer, he he defeated the the priests of Baal. So, so the, that um, yeah. So the village was, as I said, 
uh, right in the middle of the plains of Cyprus, which yeah. were the area, which was the area where all the wheat and barley and yeah. and a lot of agricultural mm-hmm. uh, products were produced. Yeah, and um, and so most of the people, many of the people, I would say, uh, in the village were farmers. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had. Um, they didn't have extensive farms, but uh, yeah. you know everybody had whatever they could, yeah. and they planted and they uh, harvested and they sold and, so, yeah, yeah, and they also had they also had animals. So they well, yeah, well yeah. they had livestock. So Yaya yeah. Bapu, which is <clears throat> grandmother and grandfather, my grandmother and grandfather, so his parents. Um, let's say on a daily basis. What was the schedule? First of all, it was very hot outside, I'm assuming. In the summer, it was hot. In the winter, <laughs> it was very pleasant. Um, <laughs> in the 70s? But it would get... <laughs> or a little uh, cooler than that? A little cooler than that, oh, but nice. sometimes it would get quite low. But uh, yeah. most of the time, it was uh, very comfortable temperatures yeah. in the winter. Uh, the summers were pretty hot, but dry mm-hmm. heat. Yeah, not so as it was bad more, as like Florida yeah, or something. Yeah. <laughs> it's muggy. Not as bad as uh, as the coast uh, yeah. coastal areas, which exactly. get a lot of uh, moisture. But yeah, but the temperatures would go quite high in the right. summertime. And it was uh, it, growing up. It was very dusty because you mm-hmm. know there was very little water. Uh, the water to drink was brought from very far away. Yeah. When was how yeah. old were you when you got running? When you had running water, like when you ended up having running water. I think I was probably uh, 13 years old or even 14 years old. I mean, we didn't have running water in the house uh, until until I was about 12, 13. Wow. And I remember when electricity was installed in Cyprus, in, in the village at least. In, I remember yeah. uh, electricity. I think I was uh, probably um, seven when oh electricity was installed, maybe six or seven. Yeah. It was 63, 64. It was that period when yeah. the skirmishes with the Turkish uh, Cypriots began. That's when you got electricity. Yeah, I remember <laughs> when they, they dug holes uh, <laughs> on the side of the street and they put That's these poles cool. and they put the wires up and I remember them That's coming cool. and installing the um, so cool. the electricity uh, system so in the house. So did you use candlelight before you had electricity? What did you use? Yeah, we had yeah. we used candles and we also used um, the lamps with the uh, kerosene. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of that was mm-hmm. was uh, kerosene lamps were the most common way. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, I remember. I mean, yeah, it was it was a time that there was no TV. We had no TV before that, right. and mm-hmm. we never really owned the TV because uh, uh, there was only one channel, and it was <laughs> like in the evenings. Yeah. So we went to the uh, cafe neo to the youth cafe neo to the, the youth cafe. club yeah youth club to watch tv if we wanted to we were not really interested in it too much I like was today say, probably too busy doing other things around the house than to worry about watching well, tv all the time yeah we we did things around the house this was a like a farming family and you yeah. know and we had uh, livestock and we mm-hmm. took care of uh, the animals and we helped yeah. our parents especially in the summertime we did a lot of uh, farming yeah. work in the winter not so much because we're in school Mm-hmm. For most of the time, starting in September, but yeah. um, but we also came back home from work from school, and we would uh, do work to help out. Yeah, and you have an older brother, so you're the middle of four sib- or four kids, right? Yeah, I'm the second in uh, in the line Just to make sure we uh, of the, the four. Members there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my two brothers are. Uh, yeah, the one is older, one the other older. younger, and my sister yeah. is the so youngest. So you're basically in the middle. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah, the second in line. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, so everybody had their work, especially the two oldest, because we were yeah. ahead and we 
yeah, we had to do all kinds of chores, and it was it was really a, a very comfortable life, and uh, very. Uh, I mean, we had everything we needed. There was no right. We had no needs, but it was a very agrarian uh, kind of uh, mm-hmm. living and very simple life. Yeah. yeah. And I would say that our uh, carbon footprint was <laughs> zero. <laughs> like nothing. <laughs> right, compared to what we do now. Compared to how we live today and how much waste and how much we throw away and how much trash we how create. How many people do you think lived in Maratovinos when you were there? I think um, it was around 2,000, maybe a little more than that. Okay. Uh, probably when, uh, yeah, when we left, we were about 2,500 maybe. And your Bapu, which is your grandfather, um, he was the priest of yes the he was the priest until um until about 1968 maybe or 69 oh. when um when he uh he re- retired basically we had a new priest but he would go and serve and help yeah. until the time that he passed away yeah. which was in 1971 i think yeah. Yeah. Uh, so he was the priest and i grew up with him right. being in the same house as we were we had different spaces like he had his own space his own house but the backyard was all joined so okay. so you know it was we're, we're always with him yeah, yeah we connected yeah. we ate together we uh i mean he had his own privacy and he would you know withdraw and be quiet and have time by himself yeah. but yeah but we we saw him every day and uh we spent time with him and we went to church with him and <laughs> my er- earliest my earliest um, memory actually yeah. Uh, of him is in um, one of my earliest memories in my life mm-hmm. are holding his hand holding me by his you know by the hand and taking yeah. me to church mm-hmm. when a Sunday morning uh, when I was about six years old <laughs> uh, we arrive we were arriving in the dark because the services right. there begin very early <laughs> right. um, yeah. and we arrive at the church this huge beautiful church uh, yeah. and we will uh, he will pull out this huge key and he will open these <laughs> huge <so> doors <laughs> and we will walk in and it was dark and yeah. we would light the first candle and it smelled like incense and it was like yeah yeah it was thing. it was yeah and it was a beautiful uh, setting in the sense of peace and uh, and then uh, other people will come and he will start the service and by the time i was eight i was able to read the psalms and help yeah. out in chanting yeah. and uh, and it was very beautiful uh, very so cool. very very fond memories of yeah those early years and not minding waking up that early either oh yeah i loved it actually <laughs> i i love how that was a unique was way of, of it. yeah it was the unique way of starting your day and yeah. then going through the liturgy and yeah and it was amazing it was really beautiful i i, I have very fond memories of that yeah so you so you knew a lot of the people of the town like this was a very close knit village even though it was 2000 people would you say that these people were really close like those people who lived in Maratovno? Oh uh, yeah, I, I think I knew a lot of people. I'm, I still remember many of them, even after yeah. forty-three years. But right. uh, not all of them anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, I knew. I mean, I could recognize people, especially as I was growing up. I could uh, find yeah. out where they lived, and and I know knew their children when we went to school together. Yeah. And uh, you know, I mean, uh, two thousand uh, people community is not too big. So eventually, right. you can basically know everybody, everybody and know the families and know the, mm-hmm. and and we, um, you know, the the village at that time, 
was like a big family where uh, people shared together a lot of things. Like, for example, everybody was invited to every wedding. Okay? <laughs> yeah. Everybody, okay? People would just go out and, yeah. and uh, give invitations uh, to every, every single wedding. household That's for cool. every single wedding. Nobody would be left out. Awesome. And we went to... I think we went to every single wedding. <laughs> okay, it was a, it was like a celebration for the whole village. Yeah, they cooked tremendous amounts of food and very tasty food, and it was like people were outdoing each other. You know, it was like a, yeah. a wonderful thing to do, and it was yeah. all outside. Yeah, it was all outside, yeah. and usually outside the home of the new couple, and usually it was a new home, and uh, because they tried to start the families with a new home. Right. It was very and supportive so, to get them started yes, to go Yes, yes, to start the, the couple's life, new life. Right. And so, uh, you know, we would meet everybody. We would see everybody so frequently. Yeah. And uh, being, being in the family of the priest, of course, I attended, yeah. I attended uh, most of the services. So I met many people in church. And then, as I said, the younger people in school. Mm-hmm. It was a close-knit uh, community and uh, very connected with each other. Right. So... Through that time that you were there, when you were um, 13 years old, I'm assuming you were still there in Matha. Was you still living there? At 13? Of course, yeah, 13 years old. It was. I was in 1969. Yeah, I think. so it was a few years before the invasion. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you the first time you met a Turkish Cypriot was that when you met your one friend Mehmet, or was that was that the first time you met a Turkish Cypriot? Um, or a Turkish yes, friend? yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Um, yes, I um, we had no. Since 1964, of course, our... Okay, let me back up a little bit. <laughs> Marathovunas did not have any Turkish Cypriots. Yeah. So there was no encounter, there was no uh, blending with the Turkish Cypriots. Other villages had, even after 1964, mm-hmm. there were many villages of Cyprus that had the Turkish Cypriot community. Mm-hmm. And usually those uh, villages, the Turkish Cypriots and Greek Cypriots interacted a lot. And it was okay. Yes, and they, and they were very peaceful. It was yeah, very peaceful. Was peaceful. So they were very... Rare cases where people uh, gathered each other's uh, throat, so to speak. Right. But um, uh, almost everywhere was very peaceful. And uh, and as I said, in 1964, the the, Turk- the more aggressive Turkish Cypriots, they withdrew into their cantons. Right. And we were not allowed to enter there, and they they were separating themselves. Right. And, um, so you had no interaction with Yeah, we had no interaction. The interaction... We had with the nearby Turkish village was not good, oh. and there was uh, animosity in that. Chados mm. um, was called the village, mm. the Turkish village, yeah. and that came into play once the uh, 1974 invasion started, which was later. Which was, was later, yeah. yeah. But um, in spite of the fact that uh, there was no interaction uh, in 1969, where I, when I, I went to. Uh, what it would be middle school and then high school. Yeah. I went to uh, a private school in Lefkosia called the English School Nicosia, uh, which uh, for the first time since 1964, the administration of the school had managed to bring back the Turkish Cypriots hmm. uh, as a group um, so that they can be part of the school. Okay. It was an English school, so before 1964, he had both Greek Cypriots and Turkish Cypriots. After 1964, the Turkish Cypriots withdrew, and so we didn't have any students from the Turkish Cypriot community. Gotcha. In 1969, they made an arrangement and they managed to agree so that a bus of Turkish Cypriot kids would come mm. into Lefkosia 
and they will come to the English school and be part, and the students will be allowed to be part of that okay. of that uh, community. So it was the first time in my life that they saw Turkish Cypriots. Yeah. They didn't look very different from us. I was going to ask you, did they look like you? <laughs> they were kids like us. Yeah. They were, and the first year we didn't mix very much because we're all learning English and we couldn't communicate. Right. Um, not many of them could speak Greek and none of us could speak English. I mean, no, uh, Turkish. none of us Turkish. Yeah. But we were all learning English. So <laughs> the second year they mixed us up. Hmm. So every class had to have some Turkish Cypriot kids. Okay. And, uh, and I kind of found this connection with this boy called Mehmet. <laughs> and we were classmates and we sat together in every class. Okay. <laughs> So <laughs> for the next four years, we mm-hmm. sat together in every class. So he was my Turkish Cypriot buddy. <laughs> and uh, and we cared for each other. And yeah, yeah we talked uh, about the conflict as well a little really? bit. Okay. Yes, we did. And uh, yeah. and I remember one time that we, we kind of said to each other, you know, hey, Mehmet, or I don't remember if he started it or I started it. Yeah. Um, what are we going to do if there is a war between the... Wow. At Turkey 13, you were having this conversation. Yeah, probably at 14 or 15, you know. But That's it was before so before yeah. the invasion. So, yeah, yeah. Um, and we looked at each other said, I, I said to him, you know, if if you see me from the other side and you have a gun, would you shoot at me? Mm. And he says to me, would you shoot at me? <laughs> oh my God. So we kind of left it there. And I said, I don't think I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> But then again, you know, I mean, you're talking theoretically, you're talking about right. war, you're talking, you have no idea, and how would I recognize him if he's on the other side? Yeah, how would you even know? Yeah, how, yeah. how would I even know? Would so it was like we were just <laughs> just contemplating the possibility that this may be a reality someday, yeah. because it was really obvious that we were not heading anywhere good mm-hmm. through the negotiations which were going on for years, and there was no result, you know. Yeah. So, so were um, there any issues within school? With other kids or no? There was only one Turkish Cypriot kid that I remember that was very fanatical. And he actually didn't agree with uh, the Turkish kids that would talk to us. Uh, And he tried to keep them from talking to us. But Mehmet was very kind and he was very good. (laughs) And I was was very kind to him. And uh, he invited me to actually visit... The Turkish, uh, the Turkish side of side the, of Lefkosia at the time, mm. which was forbidden for us to enter, but he says, "Don't worry, yeah. I'll I'll bring my car. My father will drive the car, our car, and they will let us come in into the oh Greek goodness. section of Lefkosia. Yeah. And on the way back, we will take you with us, and the Turkish Cypriots will not stop you because you're going to be with us." Oh my okay. I would have been terrified. And because I was interested in photography and we were, I was part of the photographic society, <laughs> his father was a photographer and he had a, a photo yeah. studio in the Turkish side of right. Kusia. So he says, I want you to come and see my father's uh, <laughs> photography studio. And, um, oh my gosh. and you know, I was not sure I wanted to do it. I was not trusting. That's how I mean, the... I think, yeah, yeah, I would have panicked. Yeah, I probably would not have told her anything. I would not even not told her. Anything. But <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. yeah. Anyway, so so um, so we never did it. Okay. Okay. But he was inviting me, and he was very genuine, and wow. he was a good kid, very good kid. And I wonder where he's. I know. Uh, yeah. From time to I time, because and I never forgot his name. Yeah. Uh, because he was such a good kid, and we were such close for four years. Yeah. Um, 
and we spent time even in, in during the breaks we spent time together you know it was like not yeah. only in class in the classroom outside of but class. outside of the classroom and we spent so much time together it was really very good and uh, did any so no like your parents didn't have a problem with that and his parents didn't have a problem with that there was no no like, really there was no uh, there was nobody about I mean, that. yeah yeah, yeah. there was no animosity there was no um, yeah nothing yeah, yeah. It's uh, and for me it was really wonderful because I got the chance to talk to a Turkish kid, you know, every day. You know, it's like, wow, you know, I mean, yeah. unfortunately, you guys are on that side and we're on this side, but you know, I mean, right. anyway. But you understood though, as a you. I mean, you're still a kid at thirteen, fourteen. You know, but you understood then that there isn't. There's a problem. Like absolutely, there is a problem. yeah. We knew there was a problem. Yeah, yeah. Long time. Yeah. Um, and you just you had explained before that there was the first. Like bombing, let's say the first attack was in '64. That's said. correct. In August of '64, we had the first uh, bombing of Cyprus by Turkey, uh, the western part of Cyprus, right. Tiliria. It was the area, mm-hmm. and um, and there was mistrust. And then the well, yeah, 1967, there were more uh, clashes, yeah. which resulted in a lot of people dying, including a lot of Turkish Cypriots. Yeah, um, yeah because the Turkish government also hurt their own. Their Turkish Cypriots that were in Cyprus, they also hurt them. It wasn't like they came in and the only target was Cypriots. They ended up also hurting. Well, not in 1964 or 1967. No, but later on. But in yeah, well, anyway, but but the uh, the atmosphere was not a trusting one. Yeah. Because uh, the politicians were always, uh, you know, talking about. uh, Well, they were talking to each other supposedly, but they were not reaching any agreements. There was no possibility of finding a solution yeah. and Turkey was in the background supplying weapons to the Turkish Cypriots and the fanatics usually win in these cases mm. so the fanatics were ruling uh, the the Turkish community the Turkish Cypriot community and uh, and they were they were um, the the basically the pawns of the Turkish government mm. the ones who were uh, ruling and the, the leadership of the Turkish Cypriot community were basically the the pawns of the Turkish government implementing Turkish yeah. policies that were from the from 1957 when Turkey came into play with regard uh, to sitting around the table and negotiating. Right, right. They their plan we know that their plan since that time was to take a part of Cyprus. Right. Okay. So. So that was known from the really from oh, yeah, the beginning. Yeah. We, that was known. we knew that. Yeah, we but knew. Did you think that was actually going to happen while you guys were younger? You talked about it theoretically, but did you actually think that that was something that was? Going well, to you know, as uh, I remember, as I'm talking as a, at that time as a child, you know, my I, kind of idealistic uh, world was that uh, Greece would come to our rescue. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, Greece. Well, fortunately, to start with, they they brought a lot of troops after 1964, some 10,000 troops, but they withdrew everything in 1967, oh. including uh, a regiment of tanks and uh, mm. all kinds of different weapons, mm. which were more up to date that could have stopped an invasion of Turkey. So when they withdrew that, later I understood that because they withdrew that, they they were not really going to help us because they couldn't mm. come yeah. to our rescue. Right. In 1974, it was very hard for them to come to our rescue because there were no troops uh, and no weapons that could stop a Turkish invasion right. or an advancement of Turkish tanks or no. whatever. There was nothing. Cyprus was yeah, very well, yeah, was basically anything. naked, waiting to be invaded by a superpower. Because yeah. of the um, 
was that when the arms embargo was was placed on Cyprus? Well, actually, there was no arms embargo placed on Cyprus, but the constitution oh. of 1960 forbade Cyprus having its own army. Oh, I see, I see. Okay. okay. So that comes it, way before what I was thinking. That's correct. And, okay. and, um, and the other thing is that the constitution gave the right to the British to have bases. So the British were still there. We're oh, still yeah, there. they have... And they're uh, still there now. Yeah, yeah. But they were there then, is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. And and even the Americans were present actually in 1974 in the base of uh, Limassol, the Akrodiri base. Okay. They had the U2s at the time, mm-hmm. which were spying over the Middle East and trying to enforce the agreements between everybody in the Middle East. Right. And they were they had the unmanned unmanned um, reconnaissance planes hidden in the underground. Uh, um, airports they have in Akrotiri. Oh, wow. so, so the British allowed them to use those yeah. to monitor the Middle East. So there was British presence, there was American presence, uh, and there was Turkish presence through um, the agreement of 1960 and Greek presence through, through the, the same agreement, mm-hmm. but a limited number of soldiers, a thousand Turkish soldiers and a thousand Gre- uh, Greek soldiers right. with limited amounts of weapons. Uh, so there was a presence of Turkey and there was a presence of, of Greece and of course, uh, the biggest presence was uh, Britain. So, mm-hmm. Britain could have stopped Turkey from invading Cyprus, no, but they didn't do anything to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the 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 Greek regiment that we had, a thousand soldiers, could not do anything. Yeah. But the ten thousand soldiers that they brought in secretly into Cyprus after 1964, okay. that could have helped mm-hmm. because they were fully armed. To the, right. yeah, yeah. to the T of the modern technology of that, whatever that was. What that time was, yeah. Yeah, and they, were, they would have been able to resist the invasion yeah. by Turkey. But those were withdrawn in 1967 after the skirmishes between the Greek Cypriots, Turkish Cypriots, right. and the complaint of Turkey to the United Nations and, and the junta in Greece, the, the Greek government, which was a military government at the time, they found themselves in a difficult situation yeah. and they pulled out the troops and left Cyprus um, basically unprotected with regard to totally Turkey. vulnerable. Vulnerable, yeah, yeah with, the, with regard to Turkey because... Yes, yeah. Yeah, nobody trusted Turkey, but then there was nobody to protect us. Right. The, British were, no, yeah, mm-hmm. the British were not willing to do anything or maybe they wanted to give a part of Cyprus to Turkey. So yeah, yeah. that's that. Yeah, that just adds. To that's the another story. Yeah. Stuff there. yeah. So did um, going back to when you were younger with <coughs> Yaya and Bapu, did they speak to you about what was going on with Turkey and Cyprus in Britain? Did you guys ever talk about those things in the house or was that just not a conversation in the house? Oh, it was a conversation. Um, was Yaya scared? <laughs> The, the 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 people were not scared. They never they never imagined that this would have ever happened. Yeah. Because I think that there was a general feeling that uh, nobody would. I mean, Turkey will not dare do this because the British would protect us or Greece would protect yeah. us or somebody something like that. Yeah. How will help? How can they allow them to do such a thing, which is so unfair? You know. Right. Yeah. So that's the understanding, and that's how I thought about it. Yeah. And even when uh, I saw the Turkish tanks coming. You know, people around us would say, oh, they're Greek, they're Greek tanks, you know, they came to, to help us. Mm-hmm. Well, it was illogical to be Greek tanks. Right, but anything okay. to keep your, your psyche sane, yes. anything to keep you... Oh, when we saw planes flying over us, we said, oh, it must be the Greek planes, you know, the hope of yeah. somebody's coming somebody's to help coming us. To help yeah. us. Yeah. 
But in fact, they were all Turkish, and the planes were Turkish, and the tanks were Turkish, and there was no Greek sign and of help because yeah. yeah, because uh, the situation in Greece was yeah very confusing at the time, and yeah. the government was falling apart. Uh, and uh, then th that's another story. Yeah, but, yeah. Okay, yeah. so let's circle back. If you remember, the um, I'm assuming you were at least 16 or 17 in 74, right? I was 17. Yeah, I okay. just turned 17 in May. Okay, so explain, if you remember, the day before or a couple days before, the night before, just those days right before the one day where you were like, oh, this is actually happening. Do you remember any of the events? Yeah. Well, the, the one event that um, went on for five days was the overthrow of the government of Makarios, who was the president at the time. Archbishop Makarios, who was also president. Of Cyprus, yeah. Yes, and the military overthrew, which was instigated by the government of Greece, the, the military government of Greece. Mm -hmm. And that's what that's one of the things that gave an opportunity to Turkey to invade. Mm -hmm. So there were other, other factors involved, sure. but that was the main uh, excuse for uh, Turkey to invade yeah. because they said uh, the Turkish Cypriots are endangered by this. By, yeah. And um, anyway, so that... Those were the those were tough days leading up to this, and um, and there was talk about the possibility of the of Turkey invading. Yeah. Uh, so we heard that, but it wasn't until so the the coup d'état started in uh, on Monday morning, the fifteenth of uh, July okay. of nineteen seventy four. Okay. And um, by Friday, by Friday afternoon, there was strong indication and talk. That, uh, that that Turkey might invade. Okay. Okay. Still, people didn't believe that it would happen, but right. there was a lot of talk. So that night, Friday night, the nineteenth of July, um, the Cyprus government began calling in people uh, into the um, uh, the National Guard, which was established after nineteen sixty four, as the official army of Cyprus because, as I said, they were not allowed to have an army, right. but they created the National Guard, which, according to the Constitution, they could have. Hmm. And it was the only protection that was, military protection that was given um, during those years of the the unrest between yeah. Greek Cypriots and Turkish Cypriots. And so, so what the, the Cyprus government did at that point on the 19th in the evening, I, I remember in the late evening or early early evening, I don't remember exactly when, they called in uh, the reserve, the reserves. They called in all the previous generations of soldiers that had gone through training, mm -hmm. and they asked them to report to the stations where they were supposed to. And, um, and that's when we started kind of understanding that this was a really difficult time. Right. And that was the time that, um, well, Turkey, uh, Turkey had moved its ships mm. off the coast, off the coast of Turkey, and started moving them towards Cyprus. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, but apparently, um, they claimed that they were military maneuvers, and uh, the mm. there was confusion on our side as to what it was. Was that on the radio? Like you guys were listening on the radio, the information? Uh, most of this I found out later, but oh, okay. but on the radio, it it only called the the reserves to come in. Interesting. 
Um, and there was no talk of the ter- the movements really? of the of the Turkish. So you really didn't know seriously. No, we didn't know until the morning. The morning we woke up um, very early, like six o'clock. Or what day was that? You remember the day? The twentieth. Yeah, it was a Saturday morning. It was the feast. Yeah, July. Yeah. The twentieth of July, the feast of Prophetess Elias, which oh, was the yes. feast of our church. Yes. And it was the and that this is the first time since I, I was growing up in Marathovnos, that we didn't have a panigiri, which was the, this big uh, feast of people coming and selling things. And, it's like uh, a and big party. Like it's like almost big, like huge a party, market, yeah. but yeah. it's more of a party than a market. It's an open market yes. with a party involved, yes. with, uh, with the services, the church yeah. services in the center. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the first time that we didn't have anybody come. Oh, wow. So because of the... Um, well, what happened with the coup d'etat against uh, Magarius uh, by the military, and also, of course, that night, the uh, you know the calling in of the reserves to appear and, and report mm-hmm. and receive uh, clothing and whatever weapons, yeah. they um, there was nobody that would come to such a thing. Everybody was basically um, called in. So I mean, all the all oh, the wow. all the adults were called in. Wow. Yeah. And everybody had to report to some military base and and get ready for uh, for a possible attack. Okay. So your so your bapu, he the priest of the village, he knew that that was he knew that people were probably not going to come to church that day. No, my bapu had already passed away. My bapu had passed away away in 1971. Oh, I forgot. Yeah. So yeah. So this was 74. 74. So thank God because you know his heart. Would be broken to be uprooted like that. Yeah, that God granted painful. him that. Yeah. Uh, the new priest, uh, who was a uh, from Marathovnos, Father Giriagos was his mm-hmm. name. He um, he went to church that morning and he started the orthos and wow. and there were chanters and there were you know I mean mm-hmm. by six thirty they got started and in the morning six thirty a.m. Yeah, six thirty a.m. Yeah, <laughs> and um, and. When I when I woke up and I came outside and uh, I saw the Turkish planes coming in the north of uh, the village and dropping things into that Turkish sector, which was one of the cantons controlled by the Turkish Cypriots, yeah. and they were dropping um, probably weapons, food, I don't know exactly what. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I knew that something wasn't right immediately. Right. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we turned the radios on and... And the radios announced that uh, Turkey was unloading troops in Kirinya, yeah. in the northern on the northern coast. Mm. So I I went to the Gafenio, the the you know the the youth uh, club that we the youth uh, cafe that we used to go yeah. go to, and uh, there were some adults, and, um, and somebody said to me, go to the church and tell Father Giriagos to interrupt because we're afraid that they may begin to bomb us. Mm. And so I ran to the church, mm-hmm. and they were in the orthos still. They had not started the liturgy, and I think about uh, the th- second part, the th- second part, the two thirds along the way of the orthos, which is the morning service before the liturgy, and um, right, very early. Matins called in English, yeah. <laughs> and um, and I I went inside the uh, the holy of holies, and I mm-hmm. talked to Father Giriakos, and I said. Uh, Father, the Turks are coming. Right. So I've been asked to tell you to um, interrupt. Mm-hmm. 
mm. for the safety of the people because if they hit anything, they will probably hit the church first. And we don't want people to uh, be hurt. Yeah. And um, yes, and, and Father Giriakos actually just told everybody and sent everybody home. Mm. Um, <clears throat> and that was very difficult. You know, that was... Um, that was very difficult for me. I will never get out of my mind that I interrupted the liturgy on Prophetess Elias' uh, I know, it was day. the feast day of the village. Yeah, I think yeah. that's what's so Yeah, crazy. feast day of the village. And, um, I feel like they knew that. <laughs> they mm. may have known that. But, so, we're going to stop there because we're yeah. going to continue this in the, the second episode <laughs> to talk about kind of that the rest of the week. Yes. But it's a yes. good place to stop because that's, that's where you stop the service, so we're going to stop this episode. Um, and we'll continue talking about it. But thanks for thanks for answering all my questions on the first part of the episode. <laughs> of course, of course. This is... Uh, and it's tough. This is hard stuff for us to talk about. I usually yeah. cry every time, so <laughs> I'm going to try not to. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, yeah, I have never really gone into the details of this. You know, it's kind of painful when you uh, talk about this. Every time it's painful. I yeah. have an easier time now talking about it than I did uh, 10 or 15 or 20 years ago. It's already 45 years later. Um, I know, it's hard to talk about. But it's good. Yeah. To, it's also good to talk about it. And you're, you've are you always been pretty open. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's good because um, not everybody wants to discuss it. So it's good that we yeah. talk about it. And people know what's going on, but well, well I mean, it's continue. good. It's good. Um, it's good for for you to know the story. Yeah, um, I need to know the story. I mean, yeah. growing up there too, we need to know the story. I mean, we learned it when we were yeah, there, and, but um, it's good to talk about it too. And anybody who's interested, you know, I mean, uh, not everybody would be interested in my life story and my experience of right. the invasion of Cyprus. But if anybody's interested and they want to hear it, <laughs> right. you know, it'd be good for them to be able to find it. Yeah. And uh, and listen to and it. Listen to it. Mm -hmm. uh, because Just, you know, this stuff happens. Because yeah, we see war all the time, and we see refugees running off, and you know, trying to find a place for themselves, and uh, mm -hmm. and uh, you wonder, you know, what that is like. Mm -hmm. Well, I went through the whole thing. So, yeah. and we were refugees in our own country, Jeez. and that was very difficult too, because yeah, you know, it's um, you we were never recognized as refugees by the UN or the United mm. States or England or anybody else because we were in our country so we didn't have the rights of refugees right. we never received any assistance by anybody in the sense of uh, uh, if you wanted to move out we didn't have a place we didn't have a home in the end our land was taken right. um, we were back to zero owning zero of anything, well, start, you know. starting literally starting over again, but then not having yeah. the rights to support you. But to not start have, over yeah, again. but right, yeah, but you don't have the full rights happens. of refugees, so you can right. say some country would take me, so that uh, you know they can give me a little bit of help to to yeah. start over. Yeah, that wasn't there. So it was very hard for my parents, yeah. especially because uh, they've worked all their lives to accumulate uh, land primarily, and yeah. land was the first thing that was lost. Yeah, of course. Yeah, if they That's had put aside. Closed. Yeah, if they put aside money, maybe the money would not have been lost, but they accumulated right. land. Right. Yeah. And, um, mm. you know, it was very difficult for them. Yeah. And seeing them losing everything and um, and seeing them being having an honorable life yeah. and, uh, and then not having it, yeah. okay? And sometimes be treated by others in a very demeaning way because they now didn't have anything. Mm. Instead of being treated with respect like they were before, um, right where everybody knew that was heartbreaking yeah it was heartbreaking of to course. see them in that condition it was very humiliating and very humbling hmm. and there is good in everything so 
something good came out of this and we'll get get to to that that. too okay (laughs) we'll definitely get to that um throughout the series but thanks for talking to me about it and then we'll definitely continue on the second episode soon i hope very soon so i hope everybody learned something i learned stuff that i didn't know and i've heard this story many times but there's new stuff that i learn every time so i'll see you at home okay very good very good bye-bye bye-bye